It's that time once more to go around the world one more time and have a beer or two along the way. I am Dan, and thank you so much for tuning in to the very first live cast for uh, the <coughs> podcast. Uh, if you haven't guessed, it's my Vintage in a Home Brewing. And this week, we have some special guests with us. So but before we get into that, we have, believe it or not, I have an ad for my very first sponsor, so hang tight. Hey everybody, it's Dan here, and I'm really excited to say this. I am now sponsored, or should I say this podcast is now sponsored by Scarment Laboratories. Who are these fine people? They are one of the best yeast producers in Canada. Yeast production is the perfect of the exceptional craft beer, whether your kit is on the stovetop or in a commercial brewhouse. Wholesale yeast and quality control for the profitable pro brewer. Community engagement and education for the discerning home brewer. I cannot say enough about these guys. If you're doing a sour to a California common, their yeasts are fantastic. You're almost guaranteed all the time, 200 billion cells. Check them out. Escarpment Laboratories, yeast for the craft brewer. All right, guys, it's that time once more to start the show. So thank you so much for tuning in this week. And I have some great guys with me. I have the main brew guy, Gary, and the big dog, Dave, from the Brew Tubers on the show this week. So thank you so much for tuning in this week. Guys, I'm not sure if you can hear me or not, but if you can, now's the time to unmute your mics so people can hear you. And we're going to roll from there. So, uh, Quick little bit of housekeeping. Uh, it's Dan. Uh, if you haven't guessed, I do have a, a show called My Adventures in Home Brewing. And uh, I've been fortunate enough to actually have some pretty cool people or talk to some pretty cool people along the way. But right now, uh, I have some great guys here with me right now, which is the Brewtubers. The, if you don't know who the Brewtubers are, they're an online uh, video-based homebrew club which is for I can tell all across the world and they are fantastic fantastic guys because it's hard to hard to say I haven't felt this welcome in a homebrew club in a long time so without further ado I'm going to get these guys to introduce themselves one at a time hey guys I'm not sure if you can hear me but you might want to unmute your mics and then uh, we're going to go on so the first person up is actually going to be I believe he's the club president which is Gary the main homebrew guy and then we'll roll into the big dog Dave all right. Hey, it's Gary. Yeah. Um, my, my YouTube handle is main brew guy. And, uh, yes, uh, we've been, we've been doing this club thing for quite a while, but we went official in January 1st, but we actually established this way, way back in 2012. Um, you can find us all over the internet and, you know, Twitter, YouTube, um, and, uh, Facebook and now Instagram, but yeah. Um, glad to be Thanks a lot, guy. I really appreciate it. So we're going to move on to the big dog. Big dog, how you doing, bud? 
I don't know if he's there or he just hasn't unmuted his mic. <laughs> so, we'll we'll keep going with Gary here a little bit. So, Gary, why don't you tell us a little bit more about uh, the Homebrew Club itself and uh, what you guys are all are all about? Well, so back in 2012, uh, I was in the military, so I moved around a lot. So it was really, really hard to like stay stay into a, a bricks and mortar type of uh, homebrew club. So I thought, you know what, let's let's take this online. We're we're um, you know we're we're already on YouTube. We're we're halfway there, right? And this was long before any kind of pandemic thought was out there. So we we. Uh, we tried to launch this thing and not really be official and just sort of be, you know, loose and loosey goosey and worldwide and just sort of have this loose affiliation and just call ourselves Brewtubers. And, uh, yeah. Okay. Go ahead, Dan. Sorry. <laughs> can you guys hear me? We can hear you now, brother. <laughs> All right. So how about you introduce yourself there, big dog? Sorry. Uh, so, uh, my name is Dave Phelps. Um, my growing uh, D A W G. Um, and I've been brewing for about six years and I'm actually brewing right now. So, oh, you're brewing. What's on the schedule today, bud? I got a logger going, an American light logger. Oh, nice. Nice. So again, guys, thanks a lot for, uh, being on the show. So one of the things I do get asked is why should people join a, uh, homebrew club? For me, it's uh, you learn more from others who have more experience than you. Two, it's a lot of fun, and you can collab a lot better. What do you guys think for joining a homebrew club is all about? Well, BrewTubers is a little unique because we really, I mean, with the exception of a few rare occasions, we don't see each other, right? Other than on Zoom and or, or whatever. Um, but... Joining a homebrew club, I mean, we are a wealth of knowledge. And I think that that's one of the positive things is that, you know, we have a Discord channel that you throw a question out there. And like you had mentioned at the beginning of the show, you know, the club is worldwide. So chances of somebody being able to answer the question, you know, relatively quickly is really amazing um, at any point in the day. So I think you, you join a club for... Number one, it's somebody with the same interests, people with the same interests, and number two, just to learn. And that's what we continuously do and experiment and and whatnot. So that's my thought on that. All right. So what's your take on it, Gary? Well, so I, I basically tried to adopt, you know, the bricks and mortar style of, of the way you we, we do these things, right? So before BrewTubers, you know, and I would show up to – Oh, the third Thursday of the month, let's say it was a, you know, uh, I'll even say the first club that I joined was the Portland Mashing Maniacs out of uh, Portland, Maine. So, you know, we'd show up and we'd bring our beers and we'd sit down and we'd share beers and we'd talk about beer and, um, you know, what we're brewing next and, you know, maybe a local competition we may enter, that kind of thing. And I thought, you know what, this can be done all online. It doesn't need, we don't need to sit face to face to do this. And in fact, I, I missed probably like, you know, every third meeting or fourth meeting is when I showed up because there was always something in my way. Life, you know, life gets in the way, so to speak. So I said, let's be more flexible. We can take this online and then we, we can, you know, we can uh, just work 
as a group and and always not just what the you know the third thursday of the month so that's how that's is it, honestly i think it was nick who invited me to join like i think a year ago and i never really got into it um i had put up a um i guess part of the podcast what i did with stan Hieronymus on uh on the facebook page and i, I don't someone who did a uh all I want for Christmas is Stan Hieronymus. I forget who did that video, but it was hilarious. And then Nick got in touch with me again after I started doing more videos and things like that. And he's like, come over to the BrewTubers. It is a great, great club. And I have to say, I have not seen so much camaraderie since, like you, Gary, I was in the military since then. Um, it is a a wonderful thing and it's so it's awesome to get answers right away uh from the guys who have more experience than i do because i've only been back into homebrewing now for the last two and a half years after taking a well <laughs> a rather lengthy break after having kids and dogs and nowhere really to brew so uh now it's 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 a different world um i do find with the homebrew club that I'm here in in Ottawa, and it's also online based, but it's not as focused as the brew tubers. I find the brew tubers, um, they're more focused on having a good time, uh, focusing on what the club actually is when it's actually uh, you're asking questions, say in the lobby or in uh, see the uh, national homebrew competition tab on Discord or or whatnot. I find that. You guys are more active in a positive way than others. Um, do you find that is kind of like what the norm is with some clubs that sometimes they get sucked down rabbit holes that they don't want to go? Dave, you want to take that or you want me to? No you comments? Can you can go for <laughs> all right, all right. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry for the awkward silence there. I didn't want to just dominate right. the airways here. Um, no, so, go for it. So... I'm sorry, repeat the last part of the question. Do you find that uh, some homebrew clubs find that they get sucked down the rabbit hole, not necessarily, necessarily focusing on what the club's uh, like purpose is? They get sidetracked on a lot of different topics other than what you, people are there to actually deal with? Yeah, so, uh, yeah, that's a good, good, really good question. Um, so... What what the bricks and mortar clubs uh, haven't really embraced the, all of the online um, technologies. I think that they're still stuck in that bricks and mortar kind of world, and they're you know they venture to it. You know they they put up a website and they may you know may have like a uh, you know like a discussion board or something, but they they haven't really totally adopted it. And we've we've dove in you know into all the social media aspects. And, and uh, Discord has really been uh, a big, big key to this because it keeps everybody engaged. And uh, like every day of the week, you notice, you, you see how many messages pop up in, in Discord on the daily. It, sometimes it's almost difficult to keep up with them, but, but that is exactly right. I mean, I mean, it is very engaging as well. And I mean, I feel like I'm fairly knowledgeable brewer. I've been doing this for 14 years, but I'll, I have a question or I'll see something in the discord channel. I'm like, Holy crap. I didn't know that. And then I'll go research it. And 
by God, they're right. You know, so I learn things every day too from it. It's just. Yeah, I find that the the community is by none, like it's positive, it's informative, and they're absolutely supportive of new people coming in. Any questions, they don't get um, bad-mouthed or anything else like that. Like I have seen with some other online clubs, and it's fantastic. But there's something else that's really cool about you guys is that you actually have like – major name sponsors for for the club itself for when you run your competitions how did you guys go about that well um i guess i'll yeah sure i'll take it um i mean we got we have you've mentioned nick at exit 12 brewing he is uh he's our vice president and in charge of sponsorships and he is beyond dedicated to the club um probably one of the most dedicated members and which is great. And I think that Nick has a passion for, uh, you know, setting the club up in a, in a right manner and goes out and reaches out to uh, Imperial East and to uh, uh, Brewing America and Five Star. Um, I'm forgetting one other. <clears throat> um, but those, those, oh, uh, Beer and Wine Hobby. Uh, which is a brick and mortar homebrew shop in uh, Massachusetts, I think, or Connecticut. Um, but he just, we got really lucky. I mean, these people, these organizations want to support homebrewers and uh, they chose to support us uh, at the, I think it's the steel mash panel sponsorship level, stainless steel. So, you know, Nick does a great job and, and we owe a lot of the credit for the sponsorships to Nick. Right on. So, how many members do you know of that, that are that you have signed up for the tubers right now? Well, uh, so the last time I checked, it's sixty-two, but not all of those are active, and then not all of those are you know official paying club members, which which is fine. We we you, you know we welcome everybody. You don't have to pay. There is a free membership. It does have some limitations, but you can still get into the Discord lobby and join the discussion. And, um, yeah, so I think we're up to about 50 paying members. And like I said, uh, you know, January 1st, we became official official. So we had to do everything. We had to create bylaws. We had to create roles and, you know, our roles are very, um, you know, uh, specific to an online type of brew club. For instance, uh, we have an Instagram officer, we have, uh, a MeWe and discord officer, uh, we have the uh, merch officer, or it's, uh, Brandon, and then you know we have uh, Nick, who is the sponsorship uh, officer as well, and you know he is tenacious and uh, very articulate, tenacious. He's he's really a salesperson. I don't think he's figured that out yet, but he he hasn't. <laughs> There's something there, and he needs to. Like right on. So now I do see that you guys have or are running some competitions. Do you want to touch on what your competitions are? Yeah. Sorry, Dave. I know you're brewing, so you're kind of busy. So I'm going to, I'm going to take, <laughs> I'm going to take the mic again. I'm good. Go ahead. All right. Go ahead. Bye. <laughs> All right. So uh, yeah, we've done the competitions before or not competitions. I apologize. Um, experiments before, before we were official. So we've done some yeast and grain experiments prior to being official January 1st of this year. Uh, what, so what we decided to do, and it was sort of last minute because we were trying to like engage everybody in joining the club. 
you know, as a paying member. So we decided, let's go ahead and do, uh, you know, let's put it to the group. So we had people that say, well, I like to do a Belgian. Well, I, I, you know, I'd really like to do a Saison. You know, let's just do a, a pale ale. And then, uh, then we just decided to do all three. So we basically set them up as hubs. We staggered the experiments. And then we did um, a basically, a, you know, some would call it a hoppy pale ale or a, you know, a light IPA, which is called Dropkick Nate. And we all substituted uh, Kvike yeast and brewed the same recipe. The same thing with the Saison. We took a you know, well-known Saison recipe of mine that I have you know, sort of uh, tweaked and perfected over the years. And then we just, you know, used uh, about eight different, seven or eight different uh, saison yeasts, and then we did it again with the Belgian double. Now we had more for the Belgian double, but as unfortunately as summer comes on, people get busy. A few people dropped out, so I think we ended up with four or five. But still, I mean, how many Belgians can you drink, right? Do you want me to honestly answer that? <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay, so. Uh- Talking as a former infantry guy, um, if it's put in front of me, I'll drink it. Ah, good answer. We have the same any army guy. As a non-military, say, non-military person, I have the same problem. <laughs> and I and I will be I will be there the next morning with an IV bag for you as the combat. Ah, there we go. Yes, I. You know, it's kind of funny. Like last my last deployment. Uh, that's one of the things we we had was it combat casualty care course we had to do, and we had to learn how to put IDs into people and everything else like that. That was that hats off to the medics because the idea of jabbing a needle into somebody just is not my cup of tea. Yeah, yeah, we had we we Excuse saw me. a lot of blood. so. Oh, we're not gonna go there anyway. So now, what for for your um the con for the contest are you guys going by the bjcp guidelines or are you doing it um on your normal uh kind of what you think a say like a saison or a convike or a double should be well we're not really i mean in all honesty we're not really in a competition here between us it's more of just experimenting the different yeasts and trying mm-hmm. to figure out um you know in our opinion as non-professional BCJP judges, um, you know, what we feel is the better yeast for that style. Um, so it's not really a who wins or loses. It's, you know, some of us are making good beer with this yeast and some of the yeast really turns out bad beer. Um, if, but, I mean, speaking myself, even if it was bad, it was still drinkable and I still drink them. So that's kind of where, I mean, it's real again. It's just an experiment. It's not really the competition, so we don't really take into account the the official rules or anything like. That. I can okay. caveat to that so a little bit, Dan. What is the next experiment you guys have coming down the pipe, or can you share that now? Well, I'm, I don't know if we should share it, but uh, it's not really an experiment. More as it's uh, it might be a competition. So we. We've been discussing it behind the scenes, but we tabled it for now because everybody's so busy in the summer, but we're going to revisit it in the fall, I'm sure. Okay. So I saw that you guys had a had a beer union down in the States. I mean, I wish I could have come because I would have loved to meet all you guys, but for some reason, the U.S. and Canada have decided to keep the border closed. I'm looking very much to it being open so I can come down to one of these beer unions. 
Yeah, we uh, we did a homebrew, uh, what is it we call it? Homebrew Brew Union, I guess is what we're calling them. Uh, it's our first one. We've we've done these things prior. We called them, uh, I don't know, Dave will have to help me out. Uh, but anyway, uh, we, we've we done these before. We, meet, you know, meet up with folks regionally and folks that can meet up regionally. I just be ha- I happen to be going up to the Finger Lakes uh, for a little mini vacation and that just happened to be up in Dave's country. So um, Dave said, you know what, I can host uh, a little shindig. And then, so you know, p- people piled on and then here we go. But uh, meeting and greeting is part of this BrewTubers Club, uh, specifically at NHC. But um, we do have these little mini, like, meetups and greetups. And you can create your own. That's the nice beauty of it. You go into Discord and say, hey, I'm going to be in the L.A. area. Anybody out there? And, uh, yeah, I'm, you know, I'll meet you. And that's what happens. Nice. So, um, the brew unions. So, I I I can't stop but say uh, I'm going to say it again. You guys have totally impressed me with the way you guys handle this club. It is phenomenal. It's like opening up an encyclopedia, but it's an actual person, and you're talking to them, and, and it's fantastic. Um, now, when it comes to things like. Uh, say someone like me who wants to be part of the experiment, whatever else, I know it's hard to get stuff across the border, be it bottles of beer or products, whatever else. So is there a go around for that to happen? Is there a way for say for uh, Imperial to ensure that the yeast for those of us in Canada or somewhere else in the world gets it? Yeah, that's always been the logistical issue. Um, you can ship beer to other places. You just got to find the the ship, the correct shipping, um, like DHL, I think might do it if you're going over the border. Um, and then a lot of people just uh, honestly just don't disclose that it's alcohol. You know, they'll say like yeast samples or you know, hops or whatever, pellet hops. I always say pellet, never, never, ever say whole cone hops. That'll stop them at the border, especially if like going to New Zealand or whatever, because insects can hide in the hop cones and they're very yeah. uh, crazy about that stuff, especially in islands. But um, yeah, I mean, there are ways around it. You have to be a little creative and um, be honest with you. Some of those may not be exactly on the up and up, but the, you know, that's how. We're- okay. So have you got, gotten stuff from other people uh, outside the United States? Well, I have, um, but um, I also just shipped some to New Zealand. Uh, hopefully it makes it this time. The last time it bounced around the world four or five times, and I finally got a, a box that looked like it was jumped on by chimpanzees. But um, So I ended up having to send another <laughs> box to them. Yeah, it was just insane. Good thing I, I, I was doing canning because those bottles would have just been crushed glass, you know. It's oh, yeah. But, yeah. but anyway, yeah, I'm, I'm still waiting for a confirmation that – this, uh, this guy did get them. I didn't want to reveal his name because he says he wants to like surprise everybody and do some videos. So I've, I said, hey, go right ahead, man. I'll, I'll, uh, I'll wait for the confirmation. So I'm still waiting. Oh, that's pretty awesome. So with the club, what is, the, uh, what is your end goal for the club to be? Is it to have uh, like, I'm going to say it like world domination for homebrew clubs, or is it? To, That's what I was going to say. <laughs> um, entice people to get back into or get into this uh, this fantastic hobby because right now I got to say, um, as much as the pandemic has sucked, it has been one of the best times ever to actually get into being a home brewer because 
it's a great thing to do at home and you can share with people at a distance. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, that is uh, that is actually what really kind of propelled the club to go official. You know, it was the pandemic. You know, it was a model that was already pandemic hardened, you know. Uh, and then when the pandemic hit, we we're like, you know what, we're, we're still able to do this. But, you know, the folks can't go to the bricks and mortars right now. So, uh, you know, we were already there and it just I mean, I, I hate to say, you know, taking advantage of a, a, you know, a horrible situation, but that's what happened. I mean. Uh, we would have been foolish not to, but the the end goal really, I don't know. It's not necessarily world domination. That <laughs> um, that that's hilarious. But um, no, it's really just to create a really you know inclusive community uh, of people that can come in and share beer. You know, I, I'm a I'm a very I'm, I'm a hater of sharpshooters. I don't like people who sharpshoot people. And as soon as I see that, I'm turned off. And mm -hmm. you know, I hope the club never gets to that area because um i don't like sharpshooters and so far we haven't had any of those in the club and i hope that it stays that way but if you go to like reddit or some of these other mediums boy you better have your you know your armor on because you're going to be taking hits left so i'm gonna i'm not gonna say any names but i'll i will agree with you my buddy orion and i we are part of a homebrew club here in Ottawa and overall there are a bunch of fantastic guys but there are some people within this club that just rub me the wrong way and my angry sergeant side comes out and I'll be yelling at my computer screen constantly saying what the hell are you thinking so I'll do that vice typing out a bunch of angry words at somebody and then just blowing up everything up in place because I, I still like being a part of this club because they do have some cool um some cool uh, what's the word benefits um like they run some really cool homebrew competitions they have um a big get together where everyone gets to get gets to come together and they can share their beer and things like that and overall they're a cool bunch of guys but like you said, Gary, there's always that, like the sharpshooters, there's always that one or two people out there that seem to get under people's skin. And it's it's hard not to want to say, look, take a hike, but you can't because the person may actually be a decent person and going through a rough moment. And I, yeah. I can honestly say I yeah, have not exactly seen right. that in the brew tubers. Yeah, and what you will see is a lot of um, a lot of ribbing. I don't know if I can say the other words on here, but uh, you can say a lot whatever of, you uh, want. I've already said this is an explicit show. Oh, okay. Show. Well, there's a lot of <laughs> okay. So there's a lot of ball busting going on in there. So if somebody somebody may pop in the lobby and see some uh, language going on mm -hmm. and think, "Oh my God, what did I just enter?" But uh, if you read on, you'll you'll see that uh, everybody is just rolling on the floor laughing because it, it's just some of it is just hilarious. I just can't even. Yeah, I saw Dave getting getting heckled a few times, and then he came back with some good shots. And wow, <laughs> that's all I gotta say. <laughs> yeah, so but uh, a newbie popping into the room might think, "What are these? What is going on in here?" But it's not always like that. I mean, there's absolutely the discussions are of, of beer, and it is beer centric. Yeah, but then we do talk about food. I mean, people put concert information up. I mean, there is some stuff that isn't related. 
but you know, there's certain things we don't tolerate. We don't tolerate um, discussions of politics. We don't tolerate uh, um, any kind of hate. It's very in- inclusive. And if you're going to bring that to the table, you you don't really belong with us. It's not. That's not what we're about. You know, I mm-hmm. I always say this is my hobby. I don't want to. I don't want to make it a chore or have any drama related to it. Absolutely. Um, so how often are you guys putting out videos? Um, <clears throat> I can answer that a little bit, Gary. Um, so it really varies by uh, each brewer. Um, you don't have to have a YouTube channel to be a member of BrewTubers. Um, I think that's one thing we set, uh, you know, as a, as a policy as we started the club. Um, you know, the, the YouTube content just helps promote, and that's what we do for hobbies. But, I mean, some of us are pumping out a video a week, maybe one or two. Um, some, like myself, every once in a while. So it, it really varies by Okay, right on. So, yeah. do do do. Yeah. Uh, so, can I caveat to that, Dan? Uh, please do. Yeah. So, it really does depend on your own personal um, life. I mean, some people have you know two, three, four kids. They're young. They're you know screaming, running around the house. You you've got a job, and and uh, you just don't have time to edit and do videos. That's cool. I mean, if you don't have the time to do that, well, you're still a brewtuber. You put out one a year. I don't care. You don't even have to. But I mean, we do. I mean, we are an online club. At some point, you have to put yourself out there, I, I would think. But um, it's certainly not a requirement. Um, but I, absolutely, um, I think that, um, you know, for me, it's sometimes I have a big project. So it'll take me a while to get a video out. And then sometimes I'll pump out a bunch of little ones. So. Yeah, I try to put out videos when I feel they're, I find they're relevant. I mean, a lot of stuff I've been putting out has been just the video portion of my podcast, which thank you for letting me do that, guys. I do appreciate it. I know it's not necessarily brewing related, but I do talk, at least I try to talk about um, beer styles and have guests on that are related to the beer style. Like the last guest I had was Horst Dornbush, a really cool guy, and I was hoping to do a live show with him, but he didn't have the time. But he, I find doing that, I find sometimes is also beneficial to, to other people as well. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. I lost you there, Gary. <laughs> oh, I said, uh, I agree with you a hundred percent. You still hear me? Yeah, I gotcha. So, okay. um, what are some of the things that you want to see happen with, with not only the YouTube channel, but with the, uh, um, with the club itself? Well, I don't know. There was an old movie line, um, but the, the plan to phase myself out is nearly complete. I mean, I just want to see it propagate. Um, yeah, I just want to see this thing, uh, you know, just blossom and it doesn't have to have me there. I mean, I, you know, yes, I was part of the beginning of it. And so are a lot of other people, um, and some of them are not even in the community anymore. They, uh, and some are, but they have chosen to not be a part of this venture or adventure, I should say. And that's cool too. I know that's, you know, we're, we're, you know, we're, we're not forcing anybody's hands here. Uh, if you want to join, that's great. Um, and you, I guarantee you, you will, um, you'll benefit from this because I still do, but yeah, eventually, you know, I hope 
to be replaced at some point. And then I can be a member and, and uh, reap the rewards of the club and just watch it, you know, flourish. I mean, every role is voted, including mine. Right on. So how many of the NHCs have you guys been to? My answer is easy. None. <laughs> I was actually going to go last year. I planned to go last year. Everything was set. And then hell went to Pan- pandemic. Yet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hell came in. So uh, I'm looking forward to Pittsburgh. Uh, I'm going to Pittsburgh next year. Confirmed. So that's going to be. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, we, we, we lost two NHCs because of the pandemic, which was, you know, awful. So had that not happened, we would be going to our fourth one in 2022. Uh, so the uh, short answer is we've been to one and we poured, we had club night. Um, what was that? Uh, 2018 or 19? Uh, two years ago. That would have been 2019. Yeah. 19. Yeah. So yeah, we were there in uh, Rhode Island. Oh, right on. Well, I've already told my wife I'm going to Pittsburgh and she's like, oh, great. Maybe I can come along. And I'm like, you want to sit through a bunch of workshops pertaining to beer I drink that no. you don't you bring, don't enjoy? <laughs> no, no. Bring your wife. I'm telling you why. Include your wife with this. I bring my wife all the time. And okay. um, she what they do, the if they don't want to be there for the beer stuff, they don't go. They just go do something else. My wife usually plans something. Uh, they'll go to a haunted house tour. They'll go to the beach, or depending where they are, you know, they'll go sightseeing or they'll go drink some wine. The girls would just get together and do their own thing, or they will join us. Like my wife did join me a couple of times on the floor, but then said, you know what, I'm going to be leaving at one. Do your thing. Have a great time. And uh, so, so the women, and then that night we're all hanging out and drinking, and it's just a good time when we, we'll, we'll bar hop too. And, you know, it's just a, a, an amazing, an amazing time. And I, and I'm look, really looking forward to 2022 because I know it's going to be even. Yeah. I, I, I've seen them online and everything else like that. Like um, Brian Huntley, I saw him when he was walking through, I think the one, two years ago uh, where, where that one was in Rhode Island. Yeah. And I was like, okay, I've got to go to this. And, um, I made friends with uh, Coulter Wilson, who's another, I guess, another member of the Brewtubers. And he, he and I, yeah, he and I were like, all right, so San Diego, we're going to go. We'll do uh, dueling uh, podcasts and everything else. And then nothing ever sorted itself out. <laughs> it was yeah. just, it was like, come on. <laughs> it was like, wah, wah. Yeah, pretty much, pretty much. <laughs> so, so what are you guys like? I, I, Dave said he's working on, I think, an American Pale. What's next on your brew list, Gary? Well, Oktoberfest is definitely uh, on the slate for October, uh, for um, August, so that it's ready for October. Uh, and then the big beer that I'm making, I've been planning this one for a while. It's a Imperial Brown Ale that's going to be aged in a maple barrel that's been Ooh. soaking in rye whiskey and Amish maple syrup um yeah not an oak barrel a maple barrel and i have to thank mike dean uh of the dean's list who was uh, also a youtuber that um it's not active in the in the ch- in the channel but he is uh he's a, a club member he t- he turned me on to that whole uh maple barrel which is insane uh and so i cannot wait to make this beer okay so uh, touching on that how do you go about 
aging in the barrels. I mean, for a maple barrel or even like an oak barrel, I'm pretty sure you've got to make sure they're cleaning the inside. You got to make sure they're hydrated and all that. But how do you transfer out of it to into the vessel that you're going to carbonate in, or do you carbonate in the same thing? Whoops, sorry, I muted myself. Um, so that's okay. Yeah. <clears throat> well, you can't carbonate really in a, in a uh, in a wooden. Uh, vessel, it will just leak through the staves and, and it basically makes a really ugly mess. Um, so it depends on the barrel, really. I mean, if the barrel's been used a few more, you know, like it's been used in, in wine or, you know, if you do, if it's a sour barrel, then, then that's it. It'll always be a sour barrel, but, uh, yeah, it really kind of depends. I've found that if you're going to do a light beer in a barrel, I think that's a bad call. But if you want to do it, don't leave it in the barrel very long. Leave it in there maybe a week or two uh, because the oak tannins are going to just wipe you out. That beer is going to be so, so astringent. So usually people put really big beers in there so it can mask some of the tannins, but just that you are just kind of like, you know, absorbing some of that oak and whatever else was in the barrel previously, if it was a Merlot or whiskey or something. But uh, this is a fresh, nothing's been in it, maple barrel. And when it came in and I popped the bung off the top, it literally smelled like maple sugar. Oh, nice. Yeah. So I'm just so excited for this. Um, who knows? I mean, some, you know, sometimes the biggest light bulbs you have in your head turn out to be the biggest flops, you know, and there'll be a drain pour. So who knows? Yeah. I'm in the process of getting a, uh, a five gallon cask so I can, uh, do, uh, my, uh, my bourbon stout in it properly. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. So it'll be like, hopefully a little work, but, uh, we'll see any advice there guys on what I should or shouldn't do. I got to default to Gary. I uh, He's going to do all the research and I'll just milk off of him when he gets it all done. <laughs> <laughs> so you you want to do what? You want to use an oak yeah, barrel? Yeah, uh, there's, a, there's a company here called Urban Barrel and they can get me a five-gallon mm-hmm. uh, bourbon cask, sherry cask, or a whiskey cask. So I'm going to get a bourbon cask yeah. and I'm going to put a Russian Imperial in it and leave it for six months. That actually sounds fantastic. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Go go big or go home when it comes to barrels, to be honest with you. You can't go okay. wrong. So what what shouldn't I do with this? Is there is there something I should or shouldn't do? Or Well, it depends how you prepare. I mean, the barrel's going to come in. It may be a little dry, so you're going to have to uh, get the barrel, you know, staves. They're going to have to absorb some water and swell back up. Otherwise, the thing's going to leak when you put your precious beer yeah. in there. So make sure that you're filling it up with water. Okay. Um, there's also a keg, um, uh, I'm sorry, a barrel uh, stabilizer tablets that you can get on on um, Amazon or whatever. You can drop some of them in there you if you want. There? Um, okay. Yeah, I'm here. Can yeah, you hear I heard me? you. Yep. Something happened there. For t- okay. First time show, guys, be- bear with me. There are going to be some technical difficulties. My computer, for some reason, des- decided well, to time out on me, and I'm like, don't do that. <laughs> so I don't know where I left off or what uh, you got there. A barrel but, uh, stabilizer. Yeah, so you're just going to you know, pop a couple of those stabilizer tablets in there, fill it up with water, put the bung on, and you know, set it down on its side. You know, Hopefully you have a cradle for it, and just uh, 
you know, watch the, you know, watch and see if it leaks. If it does, uh, you can, you can use what's called um, barrel wax. You can put some barrel wax over the stave uh, joints and uh, to slow it down so that it doesn't all leak out before it has a chance to absorb into the wood and swell. Once it swells up, the barrel's pretty much watertight. It'll hold water for a while. Okay. So how do you transfer out of the barrel to say like a bright tank or, or a carbonating vessel? Well, that's the beauty about, that's why I said go big or go home, right? So if you pick up a little oxygen in a big beer, it's okay. okay. It really is. And in fact, a little bit of oxidation is what is kind of the styles for these bigger beers uh, as they age, because they do oxidize as they age, but that's what makes them a little bit better. Now, I'm not saying, you know, pump in O2 after that. <laughs> I'm just saying if it picks up a little bit of oxygen, it's okay. But if you want to be super careful, you could always just stick the CO2 hose through the top of the bung and just, you know, just gently have CO2 going in there. And then you're going to use gravity to go into the keg. Okay. So using something like a, uh, like an auto siphon or something would be okay. Yeah. So, uh, so you could do that. Or what I do is I just, I just, on my barrel, I just drilled a hole at the bottom and I put a spigot. In. Okay. You just hammer a spigot in there. And then, um, it's a wood spigot with a little wood twist on the end there. So, you know, you're not introducing anything that's going to rust. Um, and that works for me. I just use that. And then I'd stick a little hose on the, the bottom of that thing and then just put it right into the keg. And then I put a piece of tin foil over the top of the keg. So I'm not, you know, introducing as much oxygen, but yeah. Okay. Gary, do you think that, I mean, this eight, uh, you know, that is a way. All right. Oh, sorry. I was going to say that is a way. It's not the way for, you know, there's, uh, there's probably umpteen different ways to do it. That's just how I do it. Do you think you could pressure transfer out of with a low PSI carry? Oh, yeah. You, sh you should be able to. I don't see why not. And I've just never tried it because, like I said, for big beers, I'm okay with a little bit of oxygen going in there because that really just helps them age. For instance, I never did any of that. And when, I, when we went to uh, NHC, I brought a seven-year-old beer that was a Belgian Quata aged in a Merlot barrel. And when I first tried that beer, it was horrible. I, was, I honest to God thought I should pour it out. But I said, you know what? I'm just going to go ahead and bottle all these, put them in bombers, stick them in the closet, and just, just forget about them for a while. And boy, by five, year five, those were drinking so good. I only had like a, a six-pack of bombers to take to NHC with me. My goodness. So are, when it comes time to pour at NHC, are you guys pouring out of kegs or are you pour, pouring out of bottles? Or does it matter? It doesn't matter, but most of us are using kegs. But you can't, like I brought, like I said, a six-pack of bombers. And you're, you're only doing little tiny short pours. They're little sampler glasses. Right. So it really goes a long way. In fact, if you bring a full keg to NHC, you're going home with probably. Screw that. It'll be gone by the time I go home. <laughs> you would hope. Oh, no. I know because it'll be in my room and I'll be like a fossil like party gumbled from the Simpsons under it. <laughs> nice. <laughs> so, um, I don't know. Is there any, any tips or tricks you want to pass on to anybody? Because we've got a few more minutes here, guys. Um, and I, I will, I, you know, Dave can, you know, chime in after me, I guess I'm just going to dominate some more. <laughs> um, the, the biggest thing that we found that helps with our brewing is, and I'm going to credit uh, Nick and Brandon of Exit 12 Brewing, 
uh, is pressurized fermentation. Now, I know it was out there prior to them discovering it, but they, you know, they sort of adopted that and brought that into our club, that knowledge. And, uh, you know, we all have benefited from that knowledge, including myself. It has really helped specifically with the, you know, hazy New England IPA style. Mm -hmm. But I've also tried it in some other styles. And that's probably been the biggest single improvement to my brewing has been pressurized fermentation and pressure transfer. Yeah, I've uh, I've enjoyed doing pressure fermentations as well. Um, a couple of the um, fermenters I have are Firmzillas, and they're great for doing pressure fermentation in them. I've done loggers in them where have, that have turned out absolutely fantastic. Just due to the fact that with the CO two that's built up in it, it's able to suppress any of the bad esters or whatever else the nasties that can come out if the yeast gets stressed. And the beer has tasted fantastic. And it's really cool that you can turn a beer around, say, like four or five days, carbonated everything. Yeah, and, and it's uh, probably a little longer than that for a lager, but it's certainly not nearly as long as it would be if you weren't pressure fermenting. So like a lager, you can you can run that. Uh, you know, let's say the, the yeast has an upper limit of 60. And with pressure fermentation, boy, you can run that at 65, 68, and it doesn't really produce any of the esters that it would had you not pressurized it. So yeah, it's, it's pretty, uh, yeah. How about you, Dave? What do you, what do you think are some good tips or tricks for people? Well, I think, you know, share your knowledge. Uh, just ask the questions. Don't keep everything a secret. Um, it's the only way everybody's going to get better. And I can't, you know, this, this, our group, our club, uh, that's what we do. I mean, there's not one person, if you ask them for, a recipe or something like that, but they don't go, absolutely, here you go. Um, just sharing your knowledge is, is the best one. I, you know, I got into pressure fermentation because, of, as Gary said, you know, this club, my wife hates it, but I got into it. Um, but uh, it's Gary's fault. Uh, but, <laughs> so uh, it's just, when in know, doubt, blame Gary? Or? It's always my fault. When in yeah. doubt, blame Gary. That's what I said. <laughs> and uh, when Gary got to my house... Uh, couple weeks ago you got a stern look from my wife but uh yeah it's, have fun man just that's by the end but by the end this. of the night i got a hug so. oh, yeah that's all yes, that's all did. that's all that matters that's all that matters uh, i think the i mean don't get if you gotta dump a beer dump yeah. a beer and move on don't get discouraged don't you know uh if you fail fail forward at least you know um learn from your mistakes uh, you know, share your mistakes. I, I messed up a beer and I had all the guys try it when they were here and I said, well, be, be blunt with me. And everybody was blunt. I was like, Hey, I won't do that again. So don't be embarrassed. Right on. I, I can, I can honestly agree. If you make a mistake, don't be scared to say you made a mistake. And if you got to dump a beer, as painful as it is to dump a batch of beer, don't be scared to do it. If you know, uh, one, you're not going to enjoy it. Two, you know you screwed up and you can see that there's actually something wrong with it. Or three, you're just you're not sure if it's infected or not. Don't take the chance to give something that's bad to people you know you like. If it's something you don't like, well, you could, I guess, but I don't think that would give you a good <laughs> rep or anything for your beer. But I, I can honestly say that there's been... About four or five times so far in the last two and a half years that I've dumped out a full five gallon keg, um, just due to the fact that I screwed up. 
one was a I was doing a pressure fermentation of a Czech Pilsner, and I totally, 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 totally misjudged how much sparge water I needed to bring all the levels back up. So when I transferred into the Fernzilla, I'm like, okay, it looks fine. Put in the yeast, and then I'm looking and I'm like, what the hell? It was 95% yeast and maybe 5% beer. And I'm like, oh, that's just wrong. So down the drain, that one went. Then we had another one that got oxidized, one that got too hot, and it just, the yeast got stressed and really doesn't taste good. So yeah, there's been a few times I've screwed up and I'm like, ah, oh, shit. And bit the bullet. And this, I just turned around, I'm like, okay, I'm, this is what I know what I, where I went wrong and I'm not going to do it again. Yeah, there you go. It was a lesson learned, yeah. right? Um, but you know, if if your if your beer doesn't have like any like fusel alcohol, so fusels are you're never going to get rid of. But if it's got some other weird flavor that you that you're not digging on, before you dump the whole thing, save like three or four bottles, stick them in the closet, and just see what. Or send them to you. Sure. <laughs> Gary's like, sure, Dan, we'll do that. Sure. <laughs> All right. No, I think Gary has a Gary has a very good point there. I mean, don't uh, don't just dismiss it because uh, I well, Gary doesn't know it yet. But the beer that he tried last week, that that flavor that he had, I had some yesterday, and it's actually muting. So okay, it end up being a drinkable beer. So don't just give up. Well, I'll agree with you on that because I have a Amarillo Tangerine Pale Ale that got a little warm and it fermented out pretty damn fast. And now it's in my, it's been in my kegerator now for about, I think two or three weeks. So I'm hoping with the cold and everything else, it may have chilled things out or mellowed. So I'm going to give that a try tonight before uh, I dump it. So thank you for that advice. Oh yeah. Yeah. Heck yeah. And, uh, yeah, absolutely. Letting it, you know, cold crash. And sometimes some of those hot bound phenols and, you know, protein bound phenols that are just not pleasant on the palate, some of those will drop out in suspension, not all, but some, and, and the beer may end up being more palatable. And then again, when you, you know, if you put just before you decide to dump it, just, you know, save like, you know, three or four bottles and let them set. Ne don't leave them sit in the, um, the fridge it's not it's really not going to help you see what happens at room temperature right. all right well boys thank you very much for being on the show this week it has been fantastic guys if you ever get a chance please go out and check out the brew tubers on youtube facebook instagram twitter and i believe there's a handful of others that i'm missing honestly if you're into home brewing these are the guys you want to come and check out i'm dan Thank you to the main homebrew guy and to the big dog and to my buddy Ryan, who's in the background maintaining all the comments and everything else online. If you guys have any comments, questions, or queries, forward them over to me at myadventuresinhomebrewing at gmail.com and I will make sure I get you an answer through the homebrew guys here, uh, the YouTube, the Brewtubers. I can't talk today. So thank you very much, guys. And this is Dan, and I'll see everybody on the other side. Thank you. Cheers, Dan.